Good morning. This is DOLW, Diocese of Lansing, Watcher Podcast 21, April the 19th, 2021. We have as our guest here, Randy Engel. We're discussing rite of sodomy. We're picking up at page 777. We hope to cover uh, in our meditation as we're listening to Randy Engel, consider the commandments of God, the commandments of the church, and we ask that our clergy do not be judgmental against us as we starve the DSA and choke off the money coming to you. We want to put conditions on it. We want to monitor it. Be merciful as we starve the DSA and choke off the money coming to you, Bishop. Uh, based on what we see here, and so we just ask, don't be judgmental about us. So let's pick up Joseph, Bishop Joseph Keith Simmons, C-S-Y-M-O-N-S, Diocese of Palm Beach. In 1990, uh, when Bishop Thomas Daly, the first bishop of the Diocese of Palm Beach, Florida, went to the Diocese of Brooklyn, the Vatican chose Keith Simmons, Simmons as his successor. Born on October the 14th, 1932 in Champion, Michigan, Simmons was a graduate of St. Mary's Seminar in Baltimore, Maryland. He was ordained Baltimore. He was ordained a priest of St. Augustine, Florida on May the 18th, 1958. Later records would show that he began praying on young boys shortly after his ordination. In 1968, Simmons was Simons was named Vicar General of the newly created Diocese of St. Petersburg, headed by Bishop Charles B. McLaughlin. In 1971, Simmons was elevated to Chancellor, a post he held for 10 years under Bishop McLaughlin and his successor, Bishop William T. Larkin. While Simmons was Chancellor, the notorious clerical pederast Father Rocco D'Angelo came to the Diocese of St. Petersburg from the Archdiocese of Miami. Father D'Angelo, D'Angelo's criminal career spanned more than two decades, beginning in 1962, during which time he molested and sodomized at least a dozen altar boys from the parishes of South Florida. In 1967, Archbishop Coleman Carroll of Miami sent D'Angelo to Seton Psychiatric Institute in Baltimore for evaluation and correction of alleged homosexual activities involving young boys. After eight months of therapy, D'Angelo was declared fit for assignment, for reassignment. But where could Archbishop Carroll put the priest to avoid stirring up the ire of the parents of D'Angelo's former victims? Archbishop Carroll arranged for D'Angelo to be transferred to the new Diocese of St. Petersburg. It is unclear if the Archbishop informed Bishop McLaughlin or Chancellor Simons of the priest's criminal record at the time of transfer or not. However, it appears that it would have made little difference since even after officials of the St. Peter, Petersburg Diocese were prized in writing of D'Angelo's criminal past, they continued to assign him to three new parishes and a Catholic youth program. During this time, the priest managed to claim at least six new victims. In the 1990s, a lawsuit against Father D'Angelo and the Diocese of Miami and St. Petersburg forced the priest into retirement but he never spent a day in jail, nor was he defrocked. D'Angelo, the, the D'Angelo affair was an important milestone for Simmons, as it identified him as a team player who could keep his mouth shut. Bishop Larkin made him an auxiliary bishop. In November 1983, Simmons was installed as Bishop of Pensacola, Tallahassee, 
a new diocese that had been created out of the Diocese of Mobile in St. Augustine. Diocese of Mobile in St. Augustine. His final ecclesiastical promotion came in July 31, 1990, when he was made Bishop of Palm Beach at the age of 58. During Simmons' eight years as ordinary of Palm Beach, the diocese gained a reputation as being both gay-friendly and a dumping ground for criminal pederast priests from other dioceses on the East Coast. According to John Holland, staff writer of the Sun Sentinel, bishops from the Diocese of New York, Brooklyn, Camden, Orlando, Charlotte, and Rockville Center, New York, transferred errant priests guilty of sexual misconduct to the Diocese of Palm Beach. Bishop John R. McGann of Rockville Center sent four accused clerical sex molesters to Palm Beach, including Father Peter Duvelsdorf, who arrived in 1991 after being accused of molesting two brothers on Long Island. Duvelsdorf continued to serve as a priest of Palm Beach until he was arrested for public masturbation in a St. Lucie County Park. Duvelsdorf has since retired. McGann also shuffled Reverend Thomas DeVita off to Palm Beach after the priest was accused of having a sexual affair with a boy at St. Joseph's in Kings Park in 1978. DeVita said the relationship was consensual. In October 1995, one year after DeVita got to Florida, he was accused of sexual misconduct by an adult parishioner and he left for a parish in New Buffalo, Michigan. In mid-1980s, McGann sent Reverend Matthew Fitzgerald, who had been accused of sexually molesting a teenager at St. Bridget's Church in Westbury, south to Palm Beach because of the priest's alleged allergies. Upon his arrival in the Diocese of Palm Beach, Fitzgerald molested two brothers. Between 1992 and 1997, he racked up four separate charges of sexual misconduct in two different parishes. Bishop Simons finally was forced to remove the priest from active duty. Cardinal John O'Connor, Archbishop of New York, sent accused pederast Monsignor William White to Bishop Simmons in the 1990s. The priest was dismissed from his post at St. Vincent de Paul Regional Seminary near Boynton Beach five years after he first admitted to church officials that he fondled and made sexual advances to one of his former high school students. Even Simmons' predecessor, Bishop Daly of the Brooklyn Diocese, made his small contribution to the ill-fated Diocese of Palm Beach. In 1996, three Dominican nuns working in the Brooklyn Diocese informed daily that in 1974, Father Anthony J. Pila had abused a young boy named Carlos Cruz. The orphan Cruz resided at St. Michael, St. Edward's Parish, St. Michael, St. Edward's Parish in Fort Greene with the parish priest. The ordinary at the time of the molest, at the time the molestation took place was homosexual Bishop Francis Mugavaro Cruz eventually told another priest of abuse, and in 1975, Fala was sent to St. Boniface's, a neighboring parish, and then to St. Finbar. Finbar. <coughs> After their meeting with Bishop Daly, the sisters were, were assured that the bishop would take aggressive action against Fala. When Bishop Daly did not keep his word, the sisters went public with their story. Let me digress. When the bishop did not keep his word, the sisters went public with their story. These are nuns. Have you experienced clergy, staff, deacons, priests, and bishops not keeping their word? I am. If the nuns went public, you might want to consider doing the same. Consider the commandments of God and the commandments of the church. Consider how you bless their sin by giving them your money. 
how you blessed their ministry, the ministry of the wicked shepherd with your money. We here in the Diocese of Lansing have begun discussing this very issue about whether or not the church ought to be in the business of blessing sin. And how does that blessing of sin take place? And we've decided to starve the DSA and choke off the money. That's our belief. We're a minority. We're a growing minority. But we encourage you to pray about that. Pray about ways that you can fund the works of the church without blessing the sin of, say, the bishop, the priest, the deacon, and their staff. Let's review some of the options that you have for your money in both the United States and also in <coughs> other parts of the world that have need of it. Works of mercy. <coughs> and this takes place when we realize that uh, is, there a, is there a command, is there an obligation as Christians, as Catholics, an obligation of good works? And the answer is yes. So what are your options? There's called the works of mercy. There's both the corporal works that's in this world and there's the spiritual. They don't talk about that. The bishop doesn't talk about it. I don't hear the priest. I've never heard my priest or deacon talk about it or the staff. What must we do to love God, our neighbor, and ourselves? How do you do that? To love God, our neighbor, and ourselves, we must keep the commandments of God and of the church, and perform the spiritual and corporal works of mercy. Spiritual works of mercy are those that relieve spiritual needs of our neighbor. Corporal works of mercy are those that relieve corporal or material needs of our neighbor. Therefore, all things, whatever you would, you would that men should do to you, even so do you also to them. Matthew seven twelve. So, when you choke off the DSA or choke off the money, doesn't mean that we're not serving God, doesn't mean we're not serving the church. We just don't want our money to pay for clergy sex. We don't want our money to bless their sin. What are the chief corporal works of mercy? To feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to visit the imprisoned, to shelter the homeless, to visit the sick, to bury the dead. Which are the chief spiritual works of mercy? To admonish the sinner, to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to comfort the sorrowful, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive all injuries, to pray for the living and the dead. <coughs> we'll get into that a little bit more, but just so that you know, when you're choking off the money, uh, the purpose is not to support Jesus Christ. The purpose is actually make your support for Jesus Christ more robust. And we do that with the blessings of the church. When people are using our money for illegal, immoral, criminal means, uh, I, I know many that don't want that to happen. And we take this when the bishop did not keep his word to the nuns. He sure isn't going to. You question whether he's keeping the word to you because when you're a lay person, you're almost non-existent. And, uh, that's been our experience. When Bishop Daly did not keep his word, the sisters went public with their story. Let me continue. Page 779. Neither Mogavero nor Daly ever notified the police of the alleged crime against the orphan crews who lived at the parish house. Daly eventually called Simmons and received permission to send Father Fowler to Palm Beach. 
Now, they didn't call the police. Do you notice now we have this big campaign uh, about governing? Okay, governing. The, let me. I'm making a note to myself versus dialogue. Because the bishops can't govern themselves. The clergy can't govern themselves. They now tell you, uh, call 911. They may dialogue with you, but just call 911. If a shepherd's raping the sheep, uh, call somebody who cares. Call 911. Now, we say to that bishop, you know, you can't govern your individuals. You can't govern the people that are under your command, under your authority. So you're telling us because you've lost control. One, you want us to call the professionals like police call 911 here in the United States. I got that. I got that. But it's interesting, if you can't govern, and you won't even dialogue with us on that, isn't that an admission that you don't know where our money's going at? Isn't that an admission that our money's certainly not funding uh, programs that would be efficacious in applying discipline on errant members of the clergy? We've seen the word errant here. Isn't that an admission on the part of our leadership? Why in any, Why in my... In this world, would I ever give you money then? How about this? How do I say to you, Bishop, when you're telling the constituency that we represent here in the Diocese of Lansing, when they've got a problem regarding your governance, just call 911. Well, now you want money from me? Why don't you call Big Bank? Call the professionals who care, and that's bigbank.com. Bigbank.com has money to help. What's wrong with that? You want me to bear my burden and give you my money? For what reason? What sin do you want me to bless today? I continue on. <clears throat> then there was the case of Monsignor Philip Rigney, whose record of molestation was already has already been cited in Chapter 12 in connection with the Ad Adamov affidavit. In a civil lawsuit filed in, in April 2002 against the Diocese of Camden, New Jersey, Rigney, who has served as vicar and vice chancellor of Camden, was accused of sexual molestation and sodomy of two teenage boys between 1978 and 1982. The assaults took place in church rectories in New Jersey and in Florida and Canada when the priest accompanied the boys and their parents on vacation. Bishop George H. Goldfoyle of Camden, one of Cardinal Spellman's homosexual auxiliaries, learned of Rigney's criminal conduct in 1984 but he refused the priest's offer to resign. The bishop told the victim's parents that Rigney would be sent out for counseling. Instead, the bishop sent him to another parish until Rigney's retirement in 1987. In 1991, Rigney arrived at the Diocese of Palm Beach with a letter of recommendation to Bishop Simmons from Gulfoyle's successor, Bishop James T. McHugh. <coughs> Officials of the Diocese of Palm Beach eventually forced Father Rigney's resignation when they learned of the lawsuit against him in the and the Diocese of Camden. The Rigney case is of particular significance because it demonstrates in a very concrete way the logistical pipelines of clerical molestation in Am Church and how homosexual bishops assist one another in sheltering clerical sex offenders in their respective dioceses. I digress. Maybe that's why they're asking us to call 911. They can't govern. They won't even dialogue. You start to ask questions, 
find out what happens. You go from little darling status in the pew, pay, pray, and obey, to becoming treated as a, as a cancer. They don't want to deal with you. They'll throw you under the bus. They'll abandon you. They'll become indifferent, cold shoulder you. Francis describes that behavior as murder. You murder in your heart. Why do I or anybody else in their right mind want to, want to support that with their money? At least consider our Carmel Catechism on gifting, uh, Carmel Catechism on money that talks about contingencies, strings attached. Talk to your lawyer about your, your trust that's going to leave them, your state plan that's going to leave the clergy and the church money. Might you have some better options? Asia. Uh, instead of the diocese, maybe a religious order. Instead of a religious order, maybe to the diocese, but with terms and conditions that require an implosion of that trust, an implosion of that annuity, if in fact it's found that the bishop is blessing sin, if you find that the parish priest is blessing sin, if you find out that the uh, deacon is blessing sin or the staff. Good people who understand that implosion language are people who sell annuities. Just say, listen, if I were to buy an annuity have uh, for or say uh, to qualify for Medicaid, a Medicaid-type friendly annuity, and and it has to be approved by a probate court, say in Michigan. Is there any language? Have you ever heard of any judges requiring implosion languages in there, so that uh, that there, if contingencies aren't met, certain things don't occur, then the annuity implodes, the money's refunded. On on on. A good financial person might be able to find out about that. I, I don't know if they know about it. When I say they don't, that doesn't mean they're not good, but it's some ideas. And I'm aware of some courts requiring that. I know there was conversation about some courts requiring if certain contingencies couldn't be met, they wanted an implosion language that the money would be returned to the estate. So you're coming in front of the judge, a probate of somebody who's incapacitated, and you want to put $100,000 in an annuity and have it such that it has to be paid out uh, to the person who's now in a nursing home. You're trying to save the money. You're transferring it to an annuity so that it's not a disqualifying transfer and you lose VA benefits and Medicaid benefits for long-term care planning. And, uh, and you're asking the judge to approve that transfer. And that court order is presented to the federal government and the VA. And there were times, and that law changes frequently, so I don't know what the law is today, there were times when that law would that transfer would be blessed as a non-disqualifying transfer of assets. You're simply some people say, "Well, you're hiding assets." Well, you're working under the rules, and under those rules at that time, and this was a few years ago, where the concept came up, it had to be actuarially sound. You can't put a hundred thousand dollars in annuity that will pay back for twenty-five years when the person's ninety-nine years old and their actuarial life is maybe two years. You can't do that. But uh, there were other uh, reasons why that you would have an implosion. Those reasons escape me. But when you're gifting to the church, there's always, always an option. And laity, you can take control because money is the mother's milk of this corruption. You get control. You get your hand on the bishop's wallet or the priest's pocketbook. You're going to be able to, they will follow that. They will behave. They will behave or they'll leave. And I and others here at the Michigan uh, uh, Watcher community, we want to fix the church we're tired of paying for their sex. We're tired of paying for their sins. I'm going to continue on. <clears throat> Simmons Cossett, Cossett's pro-homosexual groups. 
Simmons Cossett's pro-homosexual groups. We're at page 780. Pro-homosexual groups like New Ways Ministry have a built-in Geiger counter when it comes to ferreting out homosexual bishops and cardinals in Amp Church, and they use this knowledge to their advantage in moving the homosexual collectors' agenda forward. On May the 30th, June the 1st, 1997, Catholic Parents Network, a pro-homosexual front for New Ways Ministry, sponsored a weekend retreat for parents of homosexual children at the Seneca Center of La Lantana in Palm Beach, Diocese. Roman Catholic faithful attorney James Bendell from Washington State was arrested at the Seneca for saying the rosary and protesting the pro-homosexual affair. The following October, when the Bridgeport Diocese canceled the workshop, Father Robert Nugent, the co-founder of New Ways, retaliated by claiming the Bishop of the Diocese of Palm Beach, Florida, was also pressured to cancel a similar retreat in Latana this past spring. Unlike the Bishop of Bridgeport, Bishop J. Keith Simmons issued a public statement in which he said that he had consulted fellow bishops of dioceses where they have spoken and, and was assured that Father Nugent and Sister Gramic present the authentic teachings of the Catholic Church with compassionate ministry outreach. <clears throat> Nugent said he wanted readers to get the complete picture. Catholics got the complete picture when Bishop Simmons resigned his office following accusations that he had molested five teenage boys. What hypocrisy. How They, they are pimping us. They are playing us. They think that we laity are that stupid. And they say this stuff. And, and when you... And or after the fact, our bishop doesn't talk about this. Our priest doesn't talk about it. You can't find this in a library of a parish in our diocese that I'm aware of. This book. Why not? You get billions, four billions from me, and you can't spend $100 to buy the volume, five-volume set from Randy Engel and put it out there for voices to be heard? You want to bless only the voices that you like? Not anymore, people. Not anymore without a challenge. Consider the fact that money is the mother's milk of this corruption. And when you say to them, do not be judgmental as we starve the DSA and choke off the money, you're offering the cup that they have us drink from. How many times uh, have our secret shoppers been exposed to in confession? Well, yes, you got to be merciful and don't be judgmental. When you talk about sins against truth. Uh, maybe I am not vociferous enough. Don't talk enough about what I know. Maybe that's a sin against truth. The next thing is be merciful. We must be merciful to everybody. As if I have to wipe the sweat off the brow of Satan. That's nonsense. But be merciful. Now we say that. Drink from the cup you have us drink from, guys. Be merciful as we starve the DSA and choke off the money. Governing? You want no governing. You want us to call the police. And, but you want dialogue? Here's our dialogue. Call BigBank.com. We have all the money you need for your DSA. Your DSA hungry for money? Your parish hungry for money? We've got lots of money. Call BigBank.com. That's our sponsor. We're going to put that sponsorship in this embedded in here. You guys have played us long enough. All right. <clears throat> Let me continue. Bishop Simmons resigns. On June 2, 1998, Bishop Robert Lynch of the Diocese of St. Petersburg took the podium at a press conference stage at the Cathedral of St. Ignatius Loyola in Palm Beach to announce the resignation of his colleague, Bishop Joseph Simmons. <clears throat> the resignation followed the revelation that Simmons had molested at least five teenage boys during the early years of his priesthood. Pope John Paul II accepted Simmons' resignation and assigned Lynch 
the role of apostolic administrator of Palm Beach until a successor to Simmons was elected, selected. In his, in, this, in his introductory remark at the press conference, Lynch announced that Simmons had entered into a program of evaluation and treatment at an undisclosed location. Church officials could not squirrel, Sim, squirrel Simmons away at St. Luke's Institute because the bishop's old friend, Father Rocco D'Angelo, had taken up residency there. So they sent Simmons back to his native Michigan where he took up temporary residence at a convent somewhere in the DeWitt area near Lansing. What do you, what's this podcast called? Diocese of Lansing. Watch your podcast. D-O-L-W. And now we're coming full circle right back to Lansing. We have Simmons taking up residency in DeWitt area near Lansing. <clears throat> They're saying that it's a convent. You know, my bet is, I'd like to ask the bishop, was he ever at the DeWitt uh, uh, Retreat Center? Not at a convent. Was he at that retreat center? That re retreat center was staffed by, I forgot the name of the priest. He's dead now at that time. But he was Bud's best friends with Father DiLorenzo here at, uh, who's on, on the list now of uh, Bishop Accountability. That's Father Frank. Father, not Frank, but Father, uh, I forgot his name. DiLorenzo, first name. Within a year, the disgraced Simmons was back in circulation in the DeWitt area. At the request of Bishop Carl F. Mengeling of Lansing, Simmons presented a day-long program of prayer meditation at, on the Virgin Mary at the St. Francis Retreat Center in DeWitt. Apparently, Mengeling failed to see the grotesque irony of his actions. Let us return to the Lynch press conference. Bishop Lynch read a prepared... I got a comment on that. So Bishop Mengeling received our money unconditionally. I regret that. There was no starve the DSA or choke off the uh, money effort at this time. <clears throat> there is now. There wasn't options then. There is. There are now options. <coughs> Let us return to the Lynch press conference. Bishop Lynch read a prepared text from Simmons in which he, Simmons, admitted to inappropriate sexual behavior with minors. He offered his apologies to those he had hurt and asked for prayers of the faithful for, uh, for the unfaithful. Typical of the ego-centered mentality of homosexuals, Simmons wrote, At some other time, I hope the people of God in the church of, uh, of God in the church in Palm Beach will be able to appreciate that I have attempted to accomplish, uh, appreciate what I have attempted to accomplish while serving as your bishop. That's problematic on many on many levels. What he's attempted to accomplish. How many, how many efforts of Jesus Christ to blossom in other souls? It's about Jesus and his priesthood. You know, Jesus has an attribute. God has an attribute called diffusion. When I drop a, one droplet of red dye in a gallon of water, the law of nature, is such that it will diffuse throughout that entire gallon of water. When one droplet of blood is shed by Jesus Christ on the cross in our reality here, in this creation, it diffuses. It's a law of God. It diffuses the truth, the goodness of Jesus Christ. Think of the eclipsing of that son of Jesus Christ. Here's a man. You don't appreciate the good he's done. What about the eclipsing, the eclipse of the sun? 
the Son of God, and how much new life did not come forward. Think about that. Think about the immune system in the human body when it doesn't react. There's cancer, growth that goes on. Think about spiritually what's going on here. Here's a man that wants to put himself, yeah, but you don't know about the good works I've did. Listen, guy, what about the bad works? What about the focus on the Trinity? They were trying to diffuse. They were trying to diffuse exactly what Satan does. And the demons who serve Satan, they are at enmity with uh, Jesus Christ, his church. This is a church militant. The woman whose heel crushed the head of Satan, they were at enmity with the offspring of the snake. And the offspring of the snake are at enmity with us. Because we're low-info Catholics, which goes right back to the bishop, they keep you on low-information diet, keep you docile. We say to you, you want to see something? Test it. You withhold some of your money. Watch how they squeal like a little schoolgirl. Hold back. Starve that DSA. Choke off the money and see what the reaction you get. Just test them. Let's continue. Just disgusting. Lynch told reporters that Simmons told him that he had not molested. Let me just make sure. In terms of accounting, all the good I've done. Let's just assume that I'm I, I'm an accountant and I've taken care of your money on a budget. You understand a, a balance sheet, the income and the outcome. So I take all of your income. So I get caught and I'm doing this accounting and I got to account to the court for the millions I've stolen. And I say, listen, I've taken your money, but look at the good that I've done. You know, I tipped a cab driver in New York City, 50 bucks. I did this. I did that. By the way. I sent some money to the missions. I sent $100 to India to buy a bag of rice. Wait a minute. You, you in this balance sheet of pluses and minuses, you want to talk about those meager things that you've done? That thin gruel of good works that you've done? You failed to proclaim the truth? You stolen from that which is not yours? And then you want to work and you don't want us to look at that part of the accounting balance sheet? Uh, in what world does that happen? Let me continue. <clears throat> Following the press conference, the Palm Beach Post reported for eight consecutive days on the Simmons scandal. Articles on Simmons' resignation were also covered by the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel, St. Petersburg Times, the Miami Herald, and Miami Herald. A brief mention of Simmons' resignation also appeared in the New York Times, Atlantic Journal and Constitution, Chicago Tribune, and Seattle Times. However, according to the writer Mark Silk, the Simmons resignation attracted little attention, little national media attention outside of Florida because neither the original accuser, a 53-year-old man who told his priest that he had been molested by Simmons when he was 13, was a 13-year-old altar boy, nor the other alleged victim had ever filed a lawsuit or taken legal action against Simmons or the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. Thus, the issue was dead in the water when Bishop Lynch's announcement that Simmons had stepped down from his office. I digress. That's where you have your affidavits, your protesting uh, in letters. You want to do a what they call a loud announcement of this problem. You may not want to sue. You may have it difficult. Uh, and you can also pick champions. You can pick, uh, you can delegate some of that. But if you don't document it, they will come back and attack you. They're not going to leave that. They're not going to leave any rock on when they are defending themselves. This is the clergy, your bishop, your priest. Your, your deacon and their staff. They don't shrug their shoulders and, and grab you and embrace you and say, you poor soul. They're going to 
defend the church and you're the enemy. You got that? You are the enemy and they are righteous and they have to defend God from you. You're the bad person. And they solicit uh, lawyers and judges and the, the best law enforcement that's been retired to investigate. And they grab that credibility that we used to give them. And they clothe themselves with that credibility. And they can be monsters, but in that credibility, they're able to divert the attention of good-willed individuals, such as retired uh, police, judges, lawyers, accountants. But begin to ask questions. Don't leave them. Because conversion is the road to sainthood for you uh, who are staffers with them. You convert, you make the best whistleblowers. Just soak that up like a sponge. Watch what happens. I continue. Bishop Lynch got the, got the credit for quick think, diffusing of the Simmons scandal. The local media praised his candor and honesty. The Tampa Tribune called his handling of the case impressive. And the Miami Herald hailed the church's new openness as refreshing. According to Silk, Lynch told reporters that he had taken five weeks from his receiving the complaint to securing Pope John Paul II's acceptance of Simmons' resignation. Far from minimizing the malfeasance as long past and limited in scope, he expressed only conditional support for his departed colleague's version of events. Far from minimizing the malfeasance as long past and limited in scope, he expressed only conditional support of his departed colleague's version of, uh, of events. What's wrong with this picture? I like her assessment. Let me digress. Watch how Randy Engel presents this. <coughs> she gives the picture. She gives their version. She says, what's wrong with this picture? When you begin thinking like that, you begin just asking simple questions to sort this out because that's how I came to this. I, I you know, I couldn't, it was, it was like a bright light. It just blinded me. I couldn't believe that this is going on and uh, that I was betrayed and that when they said you're, I would, you know, I'm giving unfounded credibility to people. You just can't believe it. So she says, what's wrong with this picture? Okay. So ask yourself, uh, can friendship be an idol? And I suggest it is, and I suggest it can be, and that it's, that's part of the church's teaching that you can turn an idol into anything that is not God. So we have God who exists in his essence, God who exists in his operations. We have God who is the giver of gifts, friendship with others. That's a gift that supports you in this life. That gift of friendship can often uh, have in, uh, can be inordinately appreciated. Have in, uh, and your desires for that friendship can co be corrosive and destroy your relationship with God. Uh, your love is to be for God primarily. You're to fear the loss of God, not the primarily, not to fear the loss of the friendship. Let me continue. What's wrong with this picture? The only thing wrong with this pic with this picture perfect conclusion is that it is largely untrue. Truth has a lot to do with it. According to Silk, Twyla Decker of the St. Petersburg Times reported on July the 30th, 1998, that Simmons' initial accuser had actually brought the molestation to the attention of church authorities three years earlier than previously supposed. Decker ba based her charge on the records released by the Pinellas Pasco State Attorney's Office. Rather than immediately seeking Simmons' ouster, the former bishop of Pensacola, Tallahassee, John M. Smith arranged a meeting between the initial accuser and Simmons. At the meeting, Bishop Simmons admitted about molestation, but lied 
about not engaging in any other instance of sexual abuse with minors. He promised to get counseling. The initial victim was paid off, as were the later victims that came forward, and the court records were sealed. Lynch was appointed to bishop. Uh, was appointed to bishop uh, of the diocese of Saint Petersburg on December the fifth, nineteen ninety-five. Apparently, Simmons did not tell Lynch about the sex abuse settlement when he took over the diocese. Bishop John Ricard did not take over the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee from Bishop uh, John Smith, who had in the meantime been appointed coadjutor Bishop of Trenton until 1997. Smith, a protege of Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, apparently got, forgot to tell Richard about the Simmons, Ricards about the Simmons settlement. When the Decker story broke, Bishop Lynch immediately announced that he was appointing a retired judge to look into how the 1995 complaint was handled in order to restore some credibility to the diocese and presumably himself. Lynch said that he himself had learned about uh, learned of the meeting between Simmons and his victim just days before Simmons resigned. This meant that he knew about the settlement with Simmons victims, Simmons victims prior to the June 2nd press conference. Why hadn't he revealed the truth then? As John Grogan, a columnist for the Sun Sentinel Quip, what other little details have church leaders failed to mention? I'm going to repeat that. What other little details have church leaders failed to mention? What's wrong with this picture? Be very careful when someone says after you've been in a struggle with the local priest, clergy, staff, oh, let's sit down and talk and dialogue. Look, the guy's not governing correctly. Do you have any agenda like what you want out of that meeting? They want silence. They want this thing to go away. They don't necessarily want the truth. They don't necessarily want justice. They don't want... Uh, to fix the system, you know, how about if you go in there and you say, look, I want you to provide the complete works, five, five volume, whatever it is of Randy Engel in every parish. I want you to uh, provide unusual remedies. I want go in there with what's called a uh, articles of surrender with an attitude. Guys, surrender the evilness that you're doing. Surrender this constant battle and struggle with innocence, taking the side of the dominion of the lie, the empire of injustice, surrender. Let me continue. Lynch, a modernist bishop. Well, let, let me see where we're at because uh, I might come, that's a good place to have a break here and come back to, uh, we're at almost 39 minutes. I think I'm going to stop there and come back to that uh, modernist bishop because that's going to help us uh, where I do some emphasis here on what's going on. So that's going to be, we're going to pray that'll be it. I hope this is helpful. We're getting no real help other than our hope is that they tolerate us. That's a start. Tolerate voices, cries of distress and the pain that they've inflicted. So when you look on a balance sheet, when you're you're doing accountings, you look at the income and you look at the outflow, you know, income and expenses. When you go to a hospital, you look at the death rate, but you look at the occupancy rate, just like in a hotel. It's been our experience, if you have 100% occupancy in this battlefield hospital we call the church, they don't look at the death rate. And if you're making money, and you're in the black, you're making money, and you have people that are staying the same, or you're improving on your numbers 
You're golden. You're golden with the bishop. How many times we hear that when we talk to individuals. So we've got uh, some opportunities here. There's always opportunities. Don't leave the church. If you've left the church, come on back. We're going to show you some ways to uh, be active in your faith through the works of mercy, both spiritual and corporal in the church, and help God, who's trying to diffuse in creation through his son, Jesus Christ, to offer some assistance. Let's pray. Descend upon us the Holy Spirit and guide us. Praise you. We thank you. And we ask in the continued help and support of our guardian angel. We ask for the, uh, the Archangel Michael to continue his struggle with Satan. We ask for the mercy. Uh, uh, don't be judgmental, Bishop and clergy, as we dismantle your funding mechanisms and redirect that to the, the king, the gospel king of Jesus Christ. Don't be judgmental. Be merciful to us as we starve the DSA and choke off the money. And we begin to do the works of mercy in parts of the world that are not, um, we're not blessing sin, we're not blessing evil, and that support the culture of life, and not, and we want to ask for, we want to avoid the culture of death. So we we conclude with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil now and at the hour of our death. Amen. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. St. Joseph, protector of Carmel, protect us. Amen.